0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Value-Driven Marketing Podcast. I'm Elena, your host, and today I have the pleasure to talk to Katya Sivkova about running growth marketing experiments the right way. Uh, We dive deep into what growth marketing is and what it isn't, uh, when is the right time to run growth experiments, and how to prepare your team and organization um, to be able to run experiments successfully. If you want to know more about my guest, Katia is the founder of Boom & Bloom, a growth advisory, and her mission is to help tech companies grow and scale. She has trained teams and individuals at large corporations such as Unilever and Mercedes-Benz, as well as scale-ups and startups such as Jamf um, and Virtua Gym um katia also mentors startup founders via the growth mentor platform and she supports startup accelerator programs um, as a speaker and coach you can find and connect with katia over linkedin or on her, um, her website katiasivkova.com so i hope you enjoyed the conversation i think it's very insightful and catch you on the next one Hey Katia, welcome to the Value Driven Marketing Podcast. So nice to have you today. Hi Lena, thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? How are things? I'm good, thank you. Uh, enjoying the summertime, it's quite <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is. Uh, Katya, I'm super excited to be discussing everything about growth marketing, what it means, what it takes to um, run successful experiments. Uh, But before we jump in, there's a question that I like to to ask my guests. And that is, what was your dream job as a child?
1: Oh, wow. I need to think about it. I'm sure I went through different phases (laughs) and maybe I think I wanted to become a doctor and a teacher But I think one of the most uh, fun ones uh, is that I wanted to be a journalist at one point. So I had this super old uh, recorder, you know, uh, back in the 90s when I was a child. (laughs) And then I would run around and record some interviews. And then I would also transcribe them and create some handmade magazine. So I kind of felt like I was a designer, a producer, a publisher. Um, and of course, the technology changed dramatically, but I think my passion for content production and storytelling stayed.
0: Oh, that's very nice. So you carried on in with uh, you know what you're doing now. So this is really nice. <laughs> cool. Thanks for uh, for sharing with us. Um, so let's maybe start from the ground zero because I feel that there's um, a lot of. Misconception around what growth marketing truly is. So, can we start from here? What is growth marketing, and what growth marketing is not?
1: Yeah, you are absolutely right. There are so many different terms that create some confusion, and of course, we have growth marketing, growth, growth hacking, mm-hmm. but it adds demand generation, performance marketing, digital marketing to the list. And all of these terms are misused and misinterpreted (laughs) from time to time. Um, So I think if we talk about uh, growth hacking, um, the term was invented by Sean Ellis in 2010. It was more about um, how to approach scaling a startup and the mindset uh, behind Mm -hmm. that process. And then, as far as I know, the term growth came from the product side. Uh, So that's a little bit different story. And recently, we started to see the shift from growth hacking to growth marketing uh, because I think overall the community felt that uh, the growth hacker is a little bit of a negative term, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's all about the hacks and it's not ethical or sustainable. Um, So I think now we see growth marketing as a more widespread uh, terminology. And if we um, try to simplify it, it is about... a. uh, data-driven approach of rapid experimentation it's mm-hmm. about running experiments really fast getting some results then optimize uh, the product or it would be also a marketing channel and then repeat it and then go through that circle again and again and also what is a little bit different in growth marketing compared to traditional marketing is that you focus on a full funnel uh, instead of let's say focusing on just awareness and mm-hmm. some marketing teams uh, can approach awareness more than the whole funnel
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh that's a that's a very good overview and the rapid iteration uh would sound as if it's more suitable to certain types of companies so can you um maybe let us know do you think there's a specific type of uh company or specific companies that can benefit from running um, growth marketing experiments what do you think yeah well um,
1: to be honest I think everyone could benefit from it if you think about growth marketing as a change in mindset because also the word growth is the key there Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a uh, concept by Carol Dweck um, about growth mindset Uh, she published the book uh, quite some time ago um, and it is about overcoming the fear of failures Mm. and um, I think if your company is ready to experiment and fail and accept that you know the experiment was a failure then sure you know go for it because then uh, you need to have some resources to run this experiment and not every company can afford that Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's that's the main difference and not really uh the difference in size uh in the size between the companies or a focus because I think uh equally a startup can benefit from it and the corporation. Uh it's more about um you know what is the system that you would like to uh to activate because that's more like um you know growth marketing it's more a, a framework mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. some alternative frameworks that you could use, uh, you know, when you set up your marketing and product team. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you think there's um, a certain development stage in a company's life when it's best to get started with growth marketing? Um, yes, I would say it's it's
1: really important that your company has a certain level of data maturity, mm-hmm. uh, because without access to data, you can't really uh, run experiments, you can't uh, make data-driven decisions. Um, so I actually m- mentored some mar- marketers that didn't have access to, let's say, Google Analytics, and then of <laughs> course you <laughs> can't run experiments on your website if you don't have that access or if everything goes through your IT team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really important that you have this primary access to data. Um, and then, especially if you work across the departments, it also has to flow really well, right? Because sometimes we know that, uh, let's say, the product team has one kind of data, the sales team has something else, and then the marketing team has something else, and it's not really connected. Um, so I think the data is the key there. And also, overall, um, yeah, it's it's again the mindset, uh, the growth mindset, and also the some sort of uh, psychological safety that you have in the company, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because it is a little bit uh, about taking that risk, um, and it's really important that uh, it's acceptable in your team that you know you try something new, you fail. And then you try again, because also we know that some uh, environments are a little bit too stiff and restricted. Um, and I think in this environment, it will be
0: really hard to, uh, you know, build the growth marketing system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the culture of trying and knowing that it might fail, but, you know, seeing failure as a learning opportunity. Uh, so having those... Um, yeah those elements in place I would say that's that's oh, yeah. important um and because you mentioned data maturity, how far back uh should you look um so you mentioned you work with teams that didn't have access to google analytics um so how much of a history uh would you recommend having to, to well, get started I mean,
1: uh, overall of course it's it's always beneficial to have some year over year um you know data mm. Mm-hmm. And- it's amazing if you have a data analyst or a data scientist in your team that could help you. Uh, to uh, you know, track back like what what happened in the past. But I also noticed uh, in some organizations that uh, have this data maturity, you can also get lost a little bit in uh, <laughs> year-over-year analytics because you know some companies that experience the hyper growth. And I worked for one of those. Uh, you grow 200 percent a year, and it doesn't matter what you do, you will still still see the progress year over year. So you also need to find creative ways to measure your impact because sometimes it could be just the growth of the industry or the growth mm-hmm. itself. And it's not really about the marketing activities that you're running. Um, so in that sense, um, I think you just work with whatever you have and just make sure that your data is not misleading because the lack of data is something that you can uh, find the workaround. But I think if your data is inaccurate or misleading, you can uh, um, make a decision about the future that would be damaging for the business or for you know your project.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So have access to ideally at least one year, but make sure it's the the right kind of data and analytics is set up right. So you... Yeah, exactly. Because I also
1: met some companies that, uh, let's say, worked with external consultants and something was said incorrectly and nobody noticed. And then several years later, you have a huge problem,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so ideally, that you try to avoid it and uh, make sure you have the accurate data points.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, the fear of failure. i wondering if we can isolate, where are the foundational steps that you need to have when you start um, experimenting? Yeah, um, I think it's a good point. Um,
1: So, you need to start with overall, um, you know, psychological safety in the team. And mm-hmm. it's something that um, I see a lot in different leadership discussions that a lot of leaders sit together and they're like, so how do we create this psychological <laughs> safety in our team? Uh, so it's it's a, it's much more difficult than, let's say, uh, make sure that you have access to to data, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. with data project, you can set things up within three or six months, But with a psychological safety, if you have a shitty culture in in your company, (laughs) it's something that you wouldn't be able to fix overnight. Um, So the steps there, I think overall, uh, running some anonymous surveys uh, really help to understand what is the uh, current state of things in your company. And and I know that a lot of companies do that, especially corporates. And also I see it more uh, in startups and scale-ups. Um, and then you could validate some of your assumptions, but you need to make sure that, let's say, uh, there is no point of running a survey if your team is five people and then everyone mm-hmm. would know <laughs> uh, you who know, gave those answers. So you need to provide people with that sense of security and uh, make it uh, as anonymous as it could be. And when you got all the results, um, you can look at um, maybe some of the processes and rituals. That you could uh, change like for example in the environments uh, where i worked in the past it would be very common to have some shiny uh, presentations that you share with everyone and you know you would have some quarterly reviews or some monthly reviews and then the point of these reviews would be just to share how much of awesome work you've done and uh, how amazing your campaigns (laughs) are but i think then you miss a point as a team because then people don't share what what went wrong mm-hmm. and there are certain ways and certain templates you could use to encourage people to highlight what you could have done differently and it doesn't have to be a failure board or something per se because mm-hmm. people- hate that word and um, it's I think people close up as soon as they hear the word failure Uh, but you could talk about some improvements uh, they could have done in their projects and just to make sure that it's not you know a one conversation that you run but it's actually integrated in your existing process like if you have this marketing uh, presentations then make sure that at the end of it there is some sort of template slide that people use and then they could add those points and in the beginning maybe people will uh talk about failures but then you know it's almost like at the job interview when you ask mm-hmm. what is your uh, um you know what is your your fall and then the mm-hmm. person's like, I'm so hard working so and <laughs> so perfectionist yeah exactly I'm <laughs> perfectionist so you need to avoid that as well because mm-hmm. people will try to hide, and it's a natural i think it's a natural tendency and we see that a lot on linkedin right that people love bragging about their accomplishments but it's uh, we see um, you know the opportunities to share the the people's failures more often now so i think you need to do the same in your organization to make it okay to talk about those things mhm
0: mm-hmm. and highlight the learnings and what can be done differently because yeah, i guess exactly. that's the silver line
1: and i think what, uh, another common mistake that i've seen is that um you don't keep track of uh, past experiments so you don't mm-hmm. have a library uh, in your company or any database. So there are some enthusiasts that run some uh, experiments or uh, you know they would like to uh, kind of track uh, all the outcomes, but there's no place for that. So people do it on their own and then it never becomes a system. So mm-hmm. it's really important that you create, um, again, like you look into your processes and you create some sort of uh, documents that people could fill in and everyone knows about it.
0: Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's very interesting. And can we talk how um, a I wouldn't use the word typical, but how would a growth marketing experiment look like?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, I think overall the growth experiments are not different to any scientific experiments. So, you know, remember (laughs) at school when, uh, let's say, like you learned that Galileo demonstrated that objects fall at the same speed because of gravity. So it's something similar. So uh, sometimes people get scared when they hear the word experiment because maybe they have bad memories about (laughs) chemistry at school or something, but it's actually not as difficult. It is very scientific approach. So you start with the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, if we take it uh, to, you know, marketing space, (laughs) uh, it could be something by reducing the number of steps to book a demo at a SaaS scale up, you will increase the number of booked calls, something like this. It has to be really simple and easy to validate within a short period of time. Uh, so what I've seen is that people, especially when they start formulating hypotheses for the first time in their life, um, they take big projects and they say, mm-hmm. when we launch the product X in our portfolio, it will solve a pain point of our customer or something like this. Um, and then they don't break it down. So it's really important that you break it down. And make sure that it's something that you could uh, implement within two or three weeks uh, maximum, because that's the standard um, experimentation timeline that most mm-hmm. uh, most companies uh, recommend. Um, and then uh, you need to make sure that also you know uh, what is the sex, uh, what is. What is the success for this experiment? Because sometimes, you know, when you don't set the measurements, let's say you even don't identify the metric that you measure. Let's say it will be signups or something like this. You don't say uh, what is the let's say growth of signups that you expect within this two or three weeks, and you don't know if this experiment is a success. Or if it is a failure. So it's really important to be super uh, precise. Let's say I expect 20% more signups if I do some changes to that landing page or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, it's impo- important to remember your blockers. Because I know <laughs> that you know we collaborate with other departments normally. And sometimes you you need your IT department to implement something. Uh, Sometimes you need your legal department to approve something. Mm. So those things you need to take into account because that might take much longer than just one or two days. So you need to take it out of your experiment um, canvas, basically, and do it first and then maybe set a little bit different timeline for the actual experimentation.
0: So, uh, you know, prepare your ground let's say and then let the experiment after you're done with everything let it run for two to three weeks right
1: yeah exactly yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. sometimes you you might need even more research or um you know the beauty of it when you start experimenting uh you will constantly get new updates so you will need to set up new experiments and that's that's really uh, uh rewarding actually even if it was a failure and even if you didn't validate your original assumption Uh, you still learn something new and then uh, it helps you to, you know, find this hyper uh, hyper growth uh,
0: areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious, no, Katia, you mentioned hypothesis and how you formulate them. Is there, um, are there some best practices or things you need to look at in order to formulate, I wouldn't say right, but rather, you know, um, realistic or, you know, very grounded um, hypothesis or assumptions? Great question, because there are a lot of examples out there, like even if you
1: type in, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, something like uh, good hypothesis for growth marketing experiments, you will see some examples. So I suggest you uh, even use some sort of template that could be by doing X, I expect X, something like Mm -hmm. this. To start mm-hmm. with and then of course when you get into it you can play with the uh, different uh, ways of uh, making that statement but also there are a lot of libraries where you could actually check what other companies are doing so sometimes oh. you could even select the industry let's say you uh, or more like a focus area of the company let's say you work in e-commerce so you could see uh what other e-commerce players are doing or let's say a saas b2b scale up and then you could see what they're doing and then you could just get that inspiration and maybe if you feel really stuck uh you could uh, you could make sure that um you know uh, you take their ideas and uh, try them on first and then i think as soon as uh, you go forward you will uh, have more ideas
0: on your own Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so maybe start with some inspiration from uh from others and then build your own um assumptions as you for, move yeah. forward exactly. mm-hmm. yeah. um and looking at metrics um what do you recommend that marketing marketing teams look at when it comes to their um experiments so what kpis would you recommend Yeah, I would say
1: uh, I hope that nowadays uh, marketing people know their own KPIs quite well. (laughs) Being data-driven became uh, quite a big part of that profession unless Mm -hmm. you're a creative mind and uh, you're more into, um, let's say, creative work. But even then, I think it's measured nowadays. Uh, But overall, I would say um, you just need to make sure you remember your core metric uh, in growth marketing, there is a term one metric that matters. Um, mm-hmm. In product, there is, uh, there is a term north star metric, right? So it's something that gives you the direction. So mm-hmm. let's say if you have ten experiment ideas, um, you might prioritize them depending on the impact on your core metric, uh, because your experiments can can be focusing on different metrics, and that's okay but then it, it will help you to see that uh, you know direction and focus on something that can have a huge impact on your business so i think that's the only um, the only one to keep in mind for for the metric and of course if you have um, the focus on different stages of the of the funnel again the mm-hmm. metrics will be a little bit different because then uh, you know let's say you have the awareness stage, acquisition, activation, and then it, it might be something different. Um, and that's also another good way to generate new ideas for your experiments. That you can um, map out all the stages of the funnel and see, you know, the customer journey that uh, uh, that you have in the company, and kind of brainstorm the experiment ideas that could help to improve uh, that journey. Mm-hmm
0: okay okay Okay. super interesting and can we talk about channels as well so how do you recommend uh, selecting the channels on which to experiment and is it the number of channels do you recommend um, narrowing down the focus
1: yeah i think the best practice um, and if you explore you know growth marketing communities like reforge and others uh, would be to make sure that you nail one channel before you move to another channel. Especially mm-hmm. if you are a startup, um, it's quite complicated to, to be a market leader on a certain <laughs> channel. Uh, you know, even if you decide to focus on just one social network, it will take you some time, uh, you know, to get to that leadership position. Uh, so it's really important that you explore uh, one channel then you know, focus on it. Really scale your presence there, and then you consider other channels. Unless you have so much budget that you know and, and resources that uh, you need to urgently kind of burn through that budget. That's that's a different story. But I think most of us, um, especially in the startup world, you know, like you kind of you're very focused where you want to be. Uh, so I think that's one recommendation about the channels. And of course, uh, overall, exploring a new channel. I think that's fascinating and very difficult. And uh, there are some beautiful charts that show, uh, let's say, the the growth and the decline of some of the core channels that we're using. Like, for example, I don't know, like uh, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and some past channels uh, like uh, MySpace and so on. Um, So it's really important to enter that um, space when uh, there is still a, a potential of growth Mm
0: -hmm. choose Mm -hmm.
1: a channel that is scalable Uh, and sometimes you know we see that uh, people join like at the end of that hype and then it's really hard to build the authority it's really hard to fight it's very expensive like what we see now with the paid ads Mm -hmm. uh, you know on Instagram Facebook it's just uh, really really competitive and expensive so if you're a startup you kind of need to look for these channels that's Still have potential to grow. like for example a lot of b2b companies started to explore tiktok because it was not yet saturated space it was easy to grow the following uh, and at one point it will become a mainstream and then mm-hmm. harder to explore
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i guess maybe it's also important to look at what you do well or you can do easily because i guess if you have video skills for example then maybe YouTube could be a channel, but if you don't, it might be um, kind yeah. of difficult to... Yeah, I think it's a good the
1: point, and we see that quite a lot, that um, also, let's say, people have a really great presence on um, TikTok, and they let's say they're really good at video format, but then they decide to move, I don't know, to LinkedIn, where <laughs> uh, the word posts, they perform better, and uh, you need to be a good writer, and maybe you don't have that skill in your team, so it's always about yeah the skill set that you have available and again when you brainstorm the experiment ideas um, it's really important to rank your ideas and there are different frameworks to use to do that you can easily look up on the internet and find the one that fits your business needs but the the point behind the ranking that you prioritize your ideas and one of them, it is about scalability of that idea. Like, what is the impact that it's going to have? And especially if you explore a new channel, you can really approach it as the experiment, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to allocate huge amount of budget to make it a success. You can really do a quick test for two, three weeks to check if, there is the, uh, if it's a fit for you or not.
0: Mhm mhm okay okay very good point. and speaking of resources um what do you think are the needed resources in order to um run growth experiments both in terms of skills um and maybe we can also touch on tools as well
1: yeah um i think maybe i would share my personal story i think maybe three or four years ago when i did uh, my first uh, growth marketing course um i brought that knowledge to the team and very quickly, I realized that uh, as uh, kind of a one person that is very, very enthusiastic, it's really hard to drive that change. Mm-hmm. So you really need to upskill people around you. And then I got a team subscription uh, to all team members on conversion Excel. So they could start learning about this. Then I started to run workshops to educate people. Then I started to make some suggestions around the processes and so on. Um, so in, if for me personally, it is about building that skill set first, because if you have all the useful tools uh, and even the most expensive ones, you know we see that if uh, you know they're not integrated in the existing workflows, people are not using them. So it mm-hmm. is uh, you know this impulse is coming from people. Uh, So I think originally, if you're switching from a more traditional approach to growth marketing, it's really important that you you talk to your team, you make sure that they understand that change, that they're not resistant to that change, and you do a little bit of, uh, you know, upskilling of your team, and then you can look into tools, and some of them are cheap, and you can always try and drop them, but some of them uh, are a little bit more of a commitment, right, so you need to be conscious of your decision and then finally uh, processes and rituals are really important to make Mm -hmm. sure that um it it is let's say because for the experiments you need some sort of sprint system you need to make sure that there is some uh you know sprint structure and how you're running them and there is a project manager or someone who makes sure that you know all the deliverables uh they're happening So uh, for that, you need to think about how you could use your existing systems and processes and take them to a different level with growth marketing.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So it's not just skills, tools, but it's also uh, processes and documentation. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. exactly. I think we all experienced that uh, when, uh, let's say, marketing uh, suddenly got very technical.
0: Mm, Let's mm-hmm.
1: say 10, 15 years ago, it was a very different story, and then suddenly we started to get so many tools, and then we, uh, it was possible to measure so many things that uh, you know were not possible before. So I think it's it's really uh, it's the same kind of change that is happening because probably you remember that some team members were not on board with something, and then you need to win them over. So it's a lot <laughs> about uh, you know this uh, showing. The benefits to everyone, like how they're going to benefit from that new system, because it it is a lot about change management and, uh, you know, driving that change in your organization. Because sometimes you need to influence also your sales team or product team or legal. So it's not uh, only about, you know, marketing team that, uh, you know, you need to focus on.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm okay that, that's a very good point and can we speak about mistakes as well so what are some of the most common mistakes uh, you've seen uh, marketing teams make when they run experiments yeah
1: well i would say um, yeah the fear of failure that we discussed i think that's a big one and uh, that's uh, a big obstacle to drive that change um, and you know, they kind of, when people think that it's a soft skill and that's not important, you know, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> And why would we spend time on it? So I think that's the first one. And then secondly, I would say uh, a little bit of the imposter syndrome or something, because I've seen, uh, well, I, I've run this, uh, different coaching sessions and maybe in the last year I had 100 plus with people oh. from <laughs> corporates, with people from startups, really different career paths. Some of them are a little bit more technical. Some of them are like global managers uh, and maybe not as technical. Um, But the common uh, line was that a lot of people felt insecure that, um, you Mm -hmm. know, this tech movement in marketing that is happening and the growth marketing, maybe they're really behind the curve and, you know, it's too late to start or things like that. And um, that was really common among leaders and uh, people that execute on things. So I would say it's important to remember that uh, everyone is uh, in the same boat. It's like a lot, a lot of um, quite advanced growth marketing uh, te- uh, well teams that run growth marketing experiments, they they're still not there. So mm-hmm. if you would like to start, you just you just need to go for it and slowly build it up. And remember that you're not alone.
0: Mhm mhm yeah that's uh that's a good thing to remember you you can always ask for help, and you can always improve as it goes, so it doesn't have to that's the whole point. it doesn't have to be perfect um and because you mentioned katia about mentoring, I'm curious to know from your coaching and mentoring experience um what are your top top learnings uh when it comes to uh, adopting a growth mindset and then also starting to consistently run growth experiments,
1: yeah. Uh, Great question and definitely coaching is the topic (laughs) I'm super passionate about. So I felt that one of the key aspects of my role as a coach and a mentor was to bust some common myths around Mm. growth marketing and to make sure that it's more accessible in different organizations. So one of the first ones was um, that a lot of people have an expectation that uh, growth marketing is all about digital. Mm. And, uh, you know it's about <laughs> digital world, it's only digital activities, but actually uh you can set a lot of experiments offline as well and that that for example uh, um that was something that blew uh, the mind of people from brick and mortar stores uh that you could also run experiments there like it doesn't have to be e-commerce it doesn't have to be digital um so in some traditional industries, you can also have growth mindset and um, you know approach growth marketing just from a different uh, side of it and your experiments might last longer I think Mm -hmm. two weeks might be a little bit too challenging but you can still set it up and uh, build that system And another one was um, that also, I think, A-B tests are extremely popular, right? And that's something that people are talking about and there are a lot of tools that can help you with uh, with A-B tests. Uh, So the thing is that the list of experiments and tests, it's enormous. And A-B (laughs) tests, it's just one of the tests that you could run. And especially if you're in B2B space, and uh, that was a common excuse for me maybe five, six years ago that I would be like, well, but, you know, we don't get that much traffic, you know, we Mm -hmm. have low traffic. And I hear that a lot among B2B marketeers. So if that's the case, uh, there are tons of other experiments that you could explore. Um, You can run some sequential testing, for example, when, uh, let's say, uh, you have... uh, Like you test one idea for two weeks and then another idea for two weeks, and then you compare the results. It doesn't have to be uh, run at the same time. Um, So you can approach the experimentation as a way to de-risk as well. And not only only from the perspective of validating your assumptions. Like, for example, we know that uh, the marketing budget is allocated to certain ideas so why not run in an experiment to test if uh, it will be worth spending thirty thousand euros on something, uh, and then you can validate it first, and then um, commit to like some high amounts that you, you need to spend
0: on the activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So first start with something like a pilot like break it down Basically, and then
1: yeah running the mm-hmm. pilot is a, a perfect way to uh, um to approach approach it and you know even have to call it an experiment
0: yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i love the idea that you don't need a lot of traffic because yeah that for me is a misconception as well like i need a lot of traffic otherwise the experiment is not going to be relevant but yeah to your point it doesn't have to be related to traffic necessarily
1: Yeah, exactly. So just pick the experiment um, that fits your industry. And for that, as I said, um, you know, if you're not sure, you can look up
0: online and there are a lot of uh, good business cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I'm just wondering for uh, someone that's just getting started with running growth marketing experiments, would you recommend uh, specific, I don't know, uh, resources, go-to resources that they can check? just to, you know, make their um, start easier? Yeah, of course. Um, I would say uh, there are some
1: good players in the space that you could follow. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, for me, following Growth Tribe, Growth Mentor, Reforge, uh, Conversion Excel was Mm -hmm. a game changer. So these four, I would say, probably the leading ones that uh, come to my mind. Um, I know also there are some powerful newsletters by different uh, lead and growth uh, marketers that you could follow. Uh, but overall, you know, use LinkedIn to your benefit because I think a lot of people are complaining that they see a lot of random stuff in their time- timeline, but you need to curate it, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you feel like, oh, actually, I would like to upskill myself a little bit and if you know that you're already spending some time on LinkedIn, let's say uh, even five, 10 minutes, a day then make sure that your um your timeline is curated and you uh, follow people that are influencers in that space and i think for me that part was uh super meaningful because mm-hmm. this is where uh, i started to learn really um uh, you know some fresh insights from people and not something that was published a few months ago and got outdated but something that people are discussing as we speak
0: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Thank you so much, Katia. This has been super insightful for me um, and I'm sure for the people listening as well. And they can follow you on LinkedIn um, if they want to stay up to date with uh, your work. So thank you so much for being here today and and for sharing your ideas. Thank you so much, Elena, for having me. It was really fun to talk about (laughs) marketing. And uh,
1: yeah, Um, thank you so much.
0: Top three takeaways from my conversation with Katya. Number one, All companies can benefit from running growth experiments, startups and corporations alike. And Katia says that even brick and mortar companies can run um, growth experiments. It's not all about um, digital marketing. But what you need to do, what you need to have in place in order to run growth marketing experiments is to have a culture of safety where your team knows that they can try new things, um, take risks, and that it is okay for them to sometimes fail you also need data maturity so year over year data is great and have at least data going back 12 months and also make sure that your your data is accurate so all the tracking tools are set up correctly and all your teams are looking at the same data sources so your product team marketing um, and sales teams number two Some mistakes to avoid uh, when running growth marketing experiments are one, um, teams fail to document experiments. So they fail to have uh, a designated place where to store the experiments that they run and the results. And so this never um, ends up becoming a process. Instead, they have someone um, on the team who stores data in a personal file, um, and maybe the rest of the team doesn't have access to. Number two, Katya says that rituals and processes are very important. Um, And if you're just starting out, you can slowly incorporate um, new processes into your existing ones. So for example, if you have something like a monthly review meeting, you can add a slide where you uh, look at learnings or improvements as well. Um, another pitfall to avoid is when formulating hypotheses. what teams do is sometimes they will take on big, big projects. For example, um, a specific big launch will solve um, X problem for our customers. Instead, what you wanna do is break your experiments down and make sure it's something that you can implement um, within two or three weeks. Um, and lastly, Katya points out the fact that it's important to formulate your hypothesis the right way. She recommends a structure such as by doing X, I expect Y to happen. And also know what success will look like. So know your one core metric um, that you will be tracking.